I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century. From Isle of Lucy to News Radio, and I'm your host, Brett White. I'm a reporter, producer for Decider.com, and someone that spends... All of his uh, free time right now watching things that were made before the year 1993. I have gone fully down a rabbit hole. <laughs> that sounds, it's been a hard time. Um, but yes, normally I will have a guest on and we will talk about one specific episode of television from the 20th century, but that is not the case this week for I'm doing the third and final storytelling episode of Must Have Seen TV, part of Must Have Pride Month. Pride Month. Uh, it's hashtag must have pride is the hashtag I use on Twitter. Um, it's, it's, a it's not a, it's not a big thing. <laughs> I mean, it's not like as big as pride month, which is an actual thing. But anyway, this is the, oh God, this is the sixth pride episode that I am doing. The third storytelling episode. If you go back in the archives, if this is your first episode, thank you so much. I highly doubt that's the case. Um, if you go back in time, you'll hear three episodes, uh, where I talk to, Frank DeCara and Jim Colucci about a gay episode of Golden Girls, and then I talked to Justin Kirkland about a gay episode of Roseanne, and then last week I talked to Mono Agapian about a gay episode of Seinfeld, and then previous storytelling episodes I've done, I talked about three uh, gay directors, um, Arthur Lubin, John Ehrman, and Roger... Or Robert Moore. Not Roger Moore. That's James Bond. He was not gay. I wish. No. Um, and Robert Moore, uh, who directed sitcoms and talked about their lives. And then the other one I did was Dick Clare, the co-creator of Facts of Life and Mama's Family, who is the reason that you can get cryogenically frozen in California. That episode is truly wild. I highly suggest you go back and listen to it. Um, but before we get into today's actual episode, I'm just going to remind everyone again to donate literally anywhere, any uh, Black Lives Matter organization that you can donate to. Take this as your hourly, daily, whatever reminder to donate. Um, I have links to bail funds in the Instagram Handle at must have seen TV. You can go there and click on that or you can just Google bail funds or you can donate to the ACLU because as one of my friends pointed out, bail funds are pretty much okay. But now that all these people are probably going to be going to court and need legal help, um, for doing things like exercising their civil rights, uh, to protest peacefully, et cetera, et cetera. <sighs> things are rough. Uh, a thing that I've been doing, and I don't know if this is good advice, uh, at all, but I've been, taking part of the money that I used to set aside to eat out for lunch every day uh, back when I used to leave my apartment and setting that aside so that I have a budgeted weekly 
amount that I can just donate to charities. Um, and so that now when a friend shares a charity, I will just, I'll just donate five bucks. And that isn't a lot, but it's also like I'm trying to every time a charity comes my way, just give them five dollars, give them five dollars, give them five dollars. It maybe it helps more to give a whole lot to one charity, but it also like, it takes some of the, it takes some of the weight off because I think one of the barriers entry to donating is like, if you don't do it right when you see it, you know, an hour later, you're like, oh, where was that place again? I can't remember. You try to like, who, who's sharing the stuff? And it's easier just to be like, a $5 is not a, I don't know. It's not a, it's easy to clear that hurdle. That is so, such an insignificant amount of money in my life, but I feel like it helps. Um, and also signing petitions when they come your way. It's kind of like, just do it as you get it and just keep going. Uh, cause, I don't really know what the best way to do anything is. This is what I'm doing. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Um, I don't, but that's it. Um, but anyway, I want to close out Pride Month by telling a story that I am fully in love with and obsessed with and was even better than I thought it was going to be. The story is about Hayden Rourke and Hayden Rourke played Dr. Bellows on I Dream of Genie and I, so like of all the gay men that I've talked about this month, and let's just get it, you know, don't get it twisted. Yes, it was all white gay men, white cis gay men. And it's, that's a bummer. <laughs> that's, it is already hard to find, uh, people of color that worked on sitcoms in the 20th century, women, like trans people, like definitely, like it's hard. Um, and I try to find some, if anyone knows, please, please let me know. But just like, Oh, sitcoms in the 20th century just overwhelmingly straight white male so the gay men <laughs> there's a couple um not a lot but of all of them hayden hayden's story uh is delightful in all of the ways that so many of the other ones were tragic specifically robert moore's and dick claire's uh very sad endings but hayden Rourke's story is so cool and also with everyone that I've talked about, he's the one who had the biggest impact on my childhood. Like, on my, I watched I Dream of Genie all the time. And, like, Dr. Bellows is not the one that you, you don't like him. He's the villain of the show. He's not, you know, he's not Major Healy or Major Nelson, who are the ones you like. Uh, although I like Larry Hagman significantly less after doing this research, which you'll find out in a moment. Um, so when I found out that he was gay... Uh, last year, when I did the first Must Have Pride uh, social media content, I'm a team of one. Social media manager, producer, uh, researcher, fact checker, etc. Host, talent, booker. Oh boy, it's too much. When I did research last year and found out that he was gay, it felt like it's just cool. And I don't think... I don't know why. I mean, I guess I do know why. I will say that I, straight people can't understand this. There's no excitement when you find out someone is straight. There is excitement when you find out someone is gay. And, like, if you take 20 steps back and look at it, it's just like, we both have the thing in common that we like men. Like, And it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And we fight for the right to say that it shouldn't be a big deal. But what we mean by that, I feel, is that it needs to be talked about and we don't need to hide it. It shouldn't be a big deal, but it still matters. Like, it's the same thing of like saying like, I don't see color. It's like, no, 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 that's not the, that's, that's the problem is people thinking that it's like, no, you need to see the color, acknowledge the color, celebrate the color. 
you know, don't let the color color your perceptions. Like, but you can't erase that. And so I think that what is so cool about finding out that there are gay men, I think that like the fact that Hayden Rourke, you know, fell in love with a man, was with a man for 40 years, spoiler alert to the story that I'm about to tell, is irrelevant to like how great of an actor he was and everything he pops up in, which I've done a deep dive and watched a lot of his guest starring work. Uh, he's a great actor and it has nothing to do with, you know, his uh, uh, personal um, orientation. But knowing that he was like on my team and that he, you know, may have gone through some of the internal searching, anxiety, celebration, camaraderie, like that I went through, it's cool. Especially when you grow up never seeing your stories told on television, especially in this era of television where there are no gay stories. And if there are gay stories, they are a problem that has to be solved and they disappear, which is you can hear about that in the Seinfeld episode I talked about, the Golden Girls episode I talked about, um, the Bob Newhart show episode I talked about last year, the Cheers episode I talked about last year. Like, it's a thing. It's a thing. But at this time, when in the 60s, when he's on I Dream of Genie, gay characters are not on television. Period. Fact. Not happening. So the fact that he, I don't know, the fact that he was out also, uh, it just pleasantly delighted me. And so when it came time to do, I wanted to do a storytelling episode about directors, one about writers, one about actors. And the directors, I talked about three directors. Um, the writers, I was going to talk about three writers, but then Dick Claire's story was just too nuts and I had to just devote the whole episode to it. And then I was going to do the same thing with Hayden Rourke. I wanted to talk about Richard Deacon from the Dick Van Dyke show as well, but when I got into Hayden's story, it was just like, I have to just talk about him. Him because I feel such a personal connection. So let's talk about Hayden Rourke, who you know as Dr. Bellows from Iron Dream of Genie, also guest starring roles in a great episode of I Love Lucy, also on Here's Lucy, an episode of Wonder Woman, all over the place. But he was born William Henry Rourke on October 23rd, 1910 in Brooklyn. And if I was doing like, if this was you must remember this there would be sound effects and there would be score and it would be like you would now know we're in the story part but since i'm running basic right now we're just into it we're into the story he was born on october 23rd 1910 in brooklyn um he died august 19th 1987 in toluca lake california 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 of multiple my myeloma myeloma cancer um so, yes, he is dead. I guess that's a spoiler alert. Maybe I should save the died part for the end. But anyway, here's, like, wild fact number one. He's the son of an actress. She was a child actress, uh, Margaret Rourke. Um, her maiden name is Hayden. That is where Hayden Rourke gets his first name from. He was born William Henry Rourke. He became Hayden after his mother's maiden name. So she was a child actress, basically. She did, like, stage plays and stuff. Her name, her professional name was Marguerite Hayden. But she stopped acting in 1907 when she married William Henry Rourke, who is Hayden's father. Um, Hayden's grandfather, Margaret's father, was a theatrical producer. So, like, this runs in his blood. He Like, the theater is in his veins. But something else is in his veins. And that is that the fact that his mother, Margaret Rourke, in 1914, she compiled and published... <clears throat> letters and addresses on women's suffrage by Catholic ecclesiastics, which was a like compilation of essays about women's suffrage and women's rights that she put together just to like disprove the notion that the Catholic church was opposed to women's suffrage. So she's a suffragist like 
while that's not even the most important thing that she did she became the managing director of the textile color card association of the united states for 40 years and if you're like what in the hell are those words she basically helped standardize colors that were used in manufacturing um, also in early color film so like she named colors and she found and like and she did this for um drumroll please Herbert Hoover's administration, she helped standardize the red, white, and blue colors that we use in the American flag. Like, boom. That's Hayden Rourke's mom did that. Like, that's insane. That is just, that's fully wild. I, I, there's a whole podcast to be done just about, uh, Margaret Rourke. Um, but this is all I've devoted to her all the time. She ultimately, she moved to California in 1954 after she retired. Um, but she was, she worked for 40 years as the managing director of that huge coloring, coloring firm. That's not right words. Um, Hayden is the middle child. Uh, one of his siblings died in childhood, I found out, but he had two brothers, James Hayden Rourke, who was born in 1909. And then Hayden was born in 1910. And then his younger brother, Edward Francis Rourke, uh, was born in 1912. So Hayden went to school at the Brooklyn Preparatory School, which is a Jesuit school. Uh, he was the president of the Dramatic Society, of course. Uh, how was he not going to be? He went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, which was a college. It's like the oldest acting school in, I think, the world or something. Like the Wikipedia page had a very lofty claim. So it's at least America, maybe the world. Uh, he was the class of 1932. Here are some of the other... Alumni of the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, Jim Backus, you know, Thurston Howell III from Gilligan's Island was class of 33. So like Jim Backus and Hayden Rourke maybe hung out (laughs) like they might have uh, matriculated together. Other alumni. And I just focused on people that have, you know, start on shows that I've covered on the podcast because it is a very long list. Uh, Hank Azaria, Joyce Bulafont, Danny DeVito, Julia Duffy, Florence Henderson, Judd Hirsch, Elizabeth Montgomery, Agnes Moorhead, Don Rickles. French Stewart, Loretta Swit, and Renee Taylor. That's a lot of people. And I love, I love French Stewart. French Stewart, Elizabeth Montgomery. They're Agnes Moorhead and French Stewart. French Stewart is great. And Harry Solomon from Third Room of the Sun is a very funny character. So no shade towards French Stewart, the third best Inspector Gadget. Obviously, the top two are Don Adams and Matthew Broderick. Anyway! After he graduated, after Hayden Rourke graduated from the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in 1932, he became a stage actor. Of course he did. He was one of the original members of the Walter Hampton Theatrical Company, and Walter Hampton was a, like, Shakespearean actor, big actor in, like, the 20s, uh, in, like, movies, and then he went to doing stage productions. He, Hayden toured the country, like, doing Shakespeare, and this is a running theme of the, of Hayden's life. He was on the road all the time. Funny, weird, like, subculture that I stumbled upon researching this episode. There are a lot of playbills from the 30s, like, plays that Hayden was in as part of the Hampton Theatrical Company, just on Amazon and eBay. It's a lot. Like, there is a playbill community. They are just uh, selling, selling this stuff. And you know what? If I get bored enough and desperate enough collecting Hayden Rourke playbills, not a bad hobby. Not a bad hobby at all. Don't judge me. I have not bought any yet. I will probably buy an 8x10, like an old promo photo of him at some point, though, because they're very dashing and cool. Um, 
overall in his life, this is a statistic that I found that I can't prove, but it was printed somewhere, so it has to be true. It is said that Hayden appeared in 243 plays. I'm assuming that means different plays, because I'm sh- I know that performances have to be way more than 243. But, like, dude worked all the time, especially on Broadway. And this is where things get gay, <laughs> of course. It's Broadway. So from what I could tell, his Broadway debut was a play called If Booth Had Missed. Now, just, he didn't mostly do plays. He wasn't really into musical theater, except for the most uh, important production that he was ever a part of, which I'll get to in a second. That was a musical review. But most of all, he's a play actor, um, not a sing and dancing man. Although, God, I would love to see him sing and dance. It's just funny picturing Dr. Bellows, who is so fussy and so uptight, doing anything other than be um, flummoxed and annoyed. But what I love about Hayden Rourke is if you just Google any picture of him not as Dr. Bellows, he's gay. Like, he is so gay. Uh, and it's maybe a thing that only other gay men can recognize, but, like, there is such a joy and light in his face. Um, he's just happy. I mean, he's gay in all the <laughs> meanings of the word. He's uh, he's tan and smiling. There's these really great pictures of him and Barbara Eden in, like, the 70s, and it's so clear, like, of course they were good friends. Like, Barbara Eden, gay icon, and he gets to be the gay that's, like, formative to her. It's so cool. I love it. Anyway, um, so he started doing plays February 1932, If Booth Had Missed, uh, and then again... November 33, Birthright. October 37, As You Like It. February 38, Save Me the Waltz. December 38, Don't Throw Glass Houses. And March 39, The Philadelphia Story. And while he is spending basically all the 30s kicking it on Broadway, you better believe he met the love of his life, Justice Addis. Now, I've never heard... That J-U-S-T-U, Just Us. It's Just Us Addis. Uh, he was just... <laughs> I'm making myself laugh. That's so pathetic. Justice Joseph Addis III was born June 23rd, 1917. So, happy 103rd birthday, uh, if you were still alive. Uh, spoiler, he's dead. Um, God, I stop doing that. I'm spoiling, spoiling the end. Uh, he was born in... Oh, boy. Ooh. New Jersey, uh, Hasbrock Heights High School is where he went to high school. Now, just overall, finding information on Justice Addis is very, very difficult. I did find a lot, um, but it was hard. <laughs> so I found his high school. That's something. So here is, uh, here's, here's where it just gets just swoon worthy. I love all this so much. So the, uh, I need to, so this Broadway stagehand or like stage manager, Alan Anderson, wrote a memoir, a book about his time working on Broadway in the 30s and 40s called The Songwriter Goes to War, the story of Irving Berlin's World War II all-army production of This is the Army. The Songwriter Goes to War <laughs> is the title. It's a long sub subtitle. Um, Alan Anderson wrote this book, and this book has... So much information about Hayden and Justice as a couple, as people, that you cannot find on their Wikipedia pages. Justice doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. It's just information that is not out there. And it's why I like doing this kind of thing is because a lot of this information, a lot of queer history is relegated to oral history. It's not top of mind it's not in the spotlight you know Hayden Rourke is a big sitcom figure but like you don't know this personal stuff about him the same way you know 
Lucille Ball's personal life, Mary Tyler Moore's personal life. Um, so doing the deep Googling and finding this stuff, it just delights me. And when I found this book and these passages, it just a heart, heart sings. So in this book, he talks about, and, you know, Alan Anderson does not call them gay. He doesn't call them a couple, at least in the pages that I had access to. Uh, but it's incredibly clear. He says that Justice Addis and Hayden Rourke lived and worked together on Broadway for several years before World War II, and they would produce their own shows around the area. Just would direct, his nickname was Just, and Hayden would act. Now, let's unpack that statement, because he said they lived and worked together on Broadway. So, like, that's it right there. They lived together. These were two men living together in, honestly, like, the late 30s. This is 1939 at the latest, so it might even be, like, mid-30s, which is just... I, it, uh, where is the story? I want to know more about this. I guess I need to watch Hollywood on Netflix, because that's about um, gays in the 30s. Uh, I, just, I, just, I just love that. And the fact that they would put on their own shows together, which I'm about to get to, um, in 1940... So they just, Hayden and Just got hooked up with like a lot of 20s and 30s movie stars that were wanting to branch into doing stage plays. One of them was Ruth Chatterton, who there's like, you can go down all these rabbit holes. She was a big movie star in the 30s, and that she was also one of the few female pilots who was famous. So <laughs> go look up Ruth Chatterton. A lot to get into. They did a coast to coast tour of Pygmalion. With her, and then they also did a play called Treat Her Gently with her. Another crazy thing about Google is every newspaper seemingly everywhere is digitized, and they are all on Google, and they will pop up, and they're behind a paywall, but you can see the text in the Google results. So this is how I found out that they were actually, that Juss and Hayden were drafted into World War II in 1941, like summer of 41, while they were touring with her. On the play, Treat Her Gently. So, like, they're going coast to coast, putting on this play in cities. And then here's where one of the most romantic things I've heard involving war happens. Just got drafted. Justice Addis was drafted first. Um, and as soon as he was drafted, Hayden volunteered immediately. So they could both report to Camp Upton, which is in Long Island. They reported there at the same time. Like, ha that, that's love. On it, Like, seriously, that is love. Your partner is drafted, and so you're like, cool, I'm going to. And this isn't like an in-the-army-now kind of gig where Polly Shore and Andy Dick make out in order to get out of being in the army. These are two gay men that were like, World War II, Colin, we're going to answer, and you know what, honey? I'm going with you. Boom. This is why I just want to call Justice Addis Hayden Rourke's husband. There is the language that gay people have had to use in terms to define a relationship has been uh, bullshit for a long time. I don't like partner it's because that can be conflated with business partner. I don't like boyfriend because that is too dismissive. Like it sounds like you're in high school. Husband is the word that we have to denote uh, committed long term serious relationship. Now, there should be an equivalent word to that that is not tied to the um, institution, the like legal institution of marriage, because there are people that are together for 20 years now who could legally get married but don't want to. What do they say? Partner, boyfriend? No, that's their husband, or that is whatever the equivalent word is that does not denote legal. So 
Even though gay marriage was obviously not legal in 1939, Hayden Rourke, Justice Addis, totally married, went into war together. <laughs> that is a spiel. But I just find that so amazing. So, but they also lucked out. And I guess, I mean, there wasn't Don't Ask, Don't Tell then. I don't know. I should do research into gays in the military in World War II. But it, it's like as soon as they got there, um, Ezra Stone, who was like a director of plays, who was also stationed, I guess, at Camp Upton, uh, immediately pulled them into the showbiz section of the army. <laughs> I don't know. It feels kind of like Army had half a day from arrest development or something. It's like, I mean, I'm assuming that Hayden Rourke still has to go through like boot camp and like hard shit. But like as soon as he gets there, it's like, you're going to be putting on an Irving Berlin musical review because that is what they did. They immediately started work on Irving Berlin's This is the Army, which was a musical review that started in like, they started work on 1941. Alan Anderson, as I previously mentioned, was the stage manager and in his uh, book, he mentions that he chose Justice Addis as his first uh, assistant and Hayden as his second assistant. So Alan Anderson was the stage manager and this couple of Broadway gays were his first and second assistant. And the three of them were basically a team. They put on this musical review. And now this musical review was put on by the army. It was called This is the Army. It had like 200, 300 service people, servicemen, well, servicemen, um, from all over the country, like all over the country, they would come into, I guess, Camp Upton was where this was going on. I'm not really sure. Uh, and it was up to Hayden and Jess to arrange all the auditions. And <laughs> what is also wild is that like Ezra Stone, the director and Irving Berlin, who's, you know, fucking Irving Berlin, the writer of all the Christmas songs, they hated each other and would get into very um racist arguments uh there are some choice quotes that i'm definitely not going to be uh repeating on this podcast about what they thought of each other and it was up to hayden and just to basically keep the peace there's this really one really <laughs> good story in the book where they are in the dressing room and like they ezra and irving just like lay into each other and then as they leave and it's just alan just and hayden and one of the i think Hayden's like, well, I guess uh, let's go get a steak. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like, there's nothing we can do. Let's just go uh, chill and have a good time. But this is the army. So it ran on Broadway from July to September 42. It went for 113 performances. And both uh, Justice Addis and Hayden Rourke are listed as part of the cast. So I assume that in addition to doing stage manager stuff, they also were like in a, a musical. Because like a review is not a, from what I understand, I'm not a musical theater person. It's not like a uh, musical with a plot or anything. It's just like a whole bunch of different numbers, some of which were racist numbers. Let's just get that out there because it is in 1942. But then after it was on Broadway, they did take the show on the road. It toured internationally. And that is where there's this really amazing picture that I've put on the Instagram. So follow Must Have Seen TV on Instagram so you can see this picture. The And... As far as I know, it is the only picture of Hayden Rourke with his husband. Um, they are, it's a, like a tint, it looks tin type. Like it is like old, 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 but it, it's not like they had, they probably had color film and then, but it is a sepia tone and they're backstage and it says like the, the scrawled caption or whatever says like in Italy working on this is the army and they're backstage. Uh, oh, let me open up the picture so I can actually just. So yeah, they're backstage. And this is apparently it's in Italy. It's during a production during World War II. And so on the right is Just Addis 
who is in a tank top and army slacks like big pants. Uh, and he's like working a light. He's like getting it set up. And then on the left, right next to him, facing him is Hayden Rourke, who's in like an army shirt with the sleeves rolled up, slacks. And he's like pulling on uh, the ropes backstage, like the sandbags pulling things. He's pulling on that. And they're both looking at each other. And it's just like, <sighs> it's just so cool. First of all, to see a, they're both in profile, so you can't really see their faces' faces, but um, it's just cool seeing a young Dr. Velos, you know, <laughs> with his husband. Like, and they're on tour in Italy working on a play in the army together of all places. Like, it's just really cool. And what is also cool is that, like, this photo exists on a website of just um, pictures of, like, war veterans, and it's just, like, there's no fanfare around. It's just, like, Hayden Rourke just at us in Italy. And there's no context. But when you put it on the context, like these are two essentially married men working overseas on an army musical review written by Irving Berlin. It's like that's and this man would go on to be, you know, in one of the most fun sitcoms. Uh, it's just great. It's just uh, yeah, you, you, you swoon when you make a discovery like that and you're putting together a project like this. But anyway, so this is the army ran all the way through 45. Um, in 1943, there was a film version of it that starred Ronald Reagan and uh, Hayden Rourke is in that. He's uncredited. I'm assuming he's just like part of a huge like group shot or something because it was a, it's a big cast, but it ran until 1945 and the final performance was in Honolulu, which, hey, if you're going to go out, go out in Honolulu. In June 47, so basically like as soon as World War II is over, Hayden and Just just like they hit the ground running and they kept working. In June 47, Just Addis directed Lucille Ball. Yep. In Elmer Rice's play Dream Girl, which was apparently Lucille Ball's first hit play. And guess who starred in that? Hayden Rourke. Hayden Rourke was also in the cast with her. Uh, it's described as a female version of Walter Mitty. So just imagine, uh, just imagine that, uh, Ben Stiller is the male Lucy Ricardo is, I guess, what that is saying. But around this time is also when Hayden starts getting more film work. Like, he's been strictly Broadway plays up to this point. And this is where he gets into Hollywood, 1949, The Lust for Gold, 1950, The Magnificent Yankee, 51, An American in Paris. Boom, boom, boom. Like, so many things. Just also gets into Hollywood at this time. He becomes a dialogue coach in the 50s. He works on The Sound of Fury, From Here to Eternity in Oklahoma. In 1952 is when Hayden makes his TV debut. In 1952, he appears in a really great episode of I Love Lucy called New Neighbors, um, which now it makes total sense that that's his first TV show because he acted with Lucy five years earlier in a play. And so, like, they were friends, obviously. Then Hayden did two episodes of The Lone Ranger in 52. In 53, Just Addis starts his you know, main contribution to television, which is as a, as a director, he becomes a TV director. He directs an episode of city detective, which whatever that is. September 53 is when Hayden Rourke stars in a, <laughs> a TV pilot that was written by Robert A. Heinlein called project moon base. Now project moon base did not become a TV show, but because sci-fi movies were so big at the time, the studio just padded out that pilot to feature length, and by feature length, I'm talking like 63 minutes is what IMDb says. So it's like barely a feature length. And they released it as that Hayden was one of the lead actors in it, and Robert A. Heinlein was not happy about what they did. So, I don't know. I should try and find that. That sounds um, delightfully bad. Right up my alley. 
So in the 50s, this is where Hayden's experience as a Broadway-like workhorse comes into play because he appears on a lot of the playhouse shows and variety shows of the 50s that were like a play of the week, half hour kind of thing. A lot of them were done live, I do believe, including a lot of episodes of something called Schlitz Playhouse, which I have to imagine would not test well now just because Schlitz is a awful, awful name. (laughs) Just doesn't roll off the tongue sounds like weird in a number of ways uh but hayden was directed by his husband in four of those episodes in 1954 and 1955 i also love the idea of i don't know just Addis directing hayden rourke you know what was the tension there who knows um just Addis also directed 10 episodes of alfred hitchcock Alfred Hitchcock presents in the late 50s. Annie directed uh, Hayden again in General Electric Summer Originals in July 56. It really was a summer original. In 1957 is when Hayden Rourke got his first recurring role on a TV show called Mr. Adams and Eve, which was a show that starred real-life married couple Ida Lupino and Howard Duff, and they played actors on the show. Uh, and I don't know, I mean, that's it. <laughs> Ida Lupino has a really good, you must remember this episode, like she was a person to know. In 1959, uh, Hayden appeared in Pillow Talk, which is a big movie. And then in 1960, he made his first appearance on Perry Mason, which stars gay trailblazer Raymond Burr that I wrote a big piece on for Decider that you can check out about uh, Raymond Burr's uh, trailblazing. He was a gay man who was a lead of a TV show. And... I think might be the first closeted gay man to be the lead of a TV show, period. Because like people like Hayden were working, but they were always, you know, guest of the week, maybe lead for a, a play and then off the next week. But Raymond Burr was on television every single week for like 20 years. So big deal. And his story is nuts. It involves two fake dead wives and one fake dead kid that he made up to hide. It's a lot. Please read that article because <laughs> I can't get into it here. <laughs> Hayden then also started an episode of The Twilight Zone, A Penny for Your Thoughts. Um, he also, in 1961, had a guest appearance on Mr. Ed called Ed the Redecorator, which was directed by Arthur Lubin, who I talked about in the Director's Gay episode. So you can go back and learn more about Arthur Lubin there. And it's another moment where I'm just like, did they talk to each other? Were they friends? Was there like a secret gay uh network in hollywood were they friends were they afraid they would out each other who knows these are the questions i will never get answers to um he had a recurring role again in the first five years of the 60s on dr kildare where he recurred in seven episodes as three different characters because i mean it happens on law and order nowadays they do not care you can play multiple characters or whatever then you know the 60s leading up to why dream of genie is just a who's who of you know, guest appearances. He was on the Donna Reed show, Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, Beverly Hillbillies, Petticoat Junction. He started a movie called The Nightwalker in 1964. Then he had a recurring role on a TV show called No Time for Sergeant. So it only lasted one season. A lot of work. Hayden is working. Just is also working. He directed two episodes of Mr. Ed, three episodes of Twilight Zone, and then he did 10 episodes of Rawhide. He mostly did dramas and westerns. So he didn't really overlap with uh, Hayden all that much, except in those playhouse things in the 50s. So then, here's where, you know, well, we all know Hayden Rock 4 begins. September 65, I Dream of Genie begins. 
what's weird is that he still did other guest spots after this. He was in an episode of the Andy Griffith show, The Taylors in Hollywood, like two months after I Dream of Genie started, where he played a Hollywood director. And then he also had made his final Dr. Kildare appearance in that same month, November 65. And then after that, he was basically on I Dream of Genie for five years. So Barbara Eden described him as a prince. He said he was a good friend to everybody. Everyone loved Hayden Rourke. And it was actually Barbara Eden that outed Hayden. Although it is like debatable as to whether or not he was ever in. Because as Barbara Eden says in her 2011 biography, Genie Out of the Bottle, which, yes, I did buy in iBooks. He was, and I'm quoting, unashamedly gay. And stay. And she said, she's the one that said like he lived with justice in Studio City. And they had a menagerie of dogs <laughs> and they would invite the cast over for parties i also found there are a lot of weird sites on the internet that are just like a celebrity's name and then like a bunch of i don't know facts that a data mining thing has just like crawled the internet and dumped onto a <laughs> dumped onto a basic website like and one of those websites said that Hayden Rourke was a champion breeder of basset hounds and considered an expert in the field. Now, I could not find anything to corroborate this. There are no Google results other than that for Hayden Rourke and basset hounds or Hayden Rourke and dogs or training. Um, I want to believe it's true. So, you know what? Grain of salt, but it's true. He was a champion breeder of basset hounds. <laughs> sure, why not? But this is where, like, I am jealous and maybe i'm jealous because right now my husband and i are cooped up in our apartment and have been for going on three four months and we haven't left and it is now hot in new york city and everything is a nightmare and it's really bad um but when i think about what if we like lived in like sunny california in the 60s with like cool (laughs) clothes and interior design that i find cool now who knows what i would have thought about it if i actually was living back then and like you have an acting job your husband is a director um you're inviting a cast over for parties you're breeding dogs like it just sounds compared to paulin's life which is by all accounts uh stressful um if not uh dangerous (laughs) or you know dick claire's life um which involved you know, well, contracting AIDS and also cryogenic freezing and lots of lawsuits. And Hayden Rourke's life seems just delightful. Unashamedly gay is it. That's the T. And I am here for it. And I love it. What I also love about Hayden Rourke is that he was one of the only people on set. It was like him and one of the regular directors are the only people that Larry Hagman respected because thing I found out researching this dude was a terror. Larry Hagman was a jerk. Oh, man, I got to do another I Dream of Genie episode so I can get into this. But, like, he would just, he was moody, he was irritable, he hated every single script, and he would tell Sidney Sheldon that to his face. He was disrespectful to every single male guest star that ever came on the show, including Sammy Davis Jr. He made Sammy Davis Jr. angry. Um, They, he would show up to set in, like, gorilla suits, apparently. He was so stressed and high he was just like so such a nightmare that they made him see a therapist and his therapist being a very 1960s therapist was like hey man you just need to drink champagne and smoke a lot of pot calm your nerves and then barbara eden says that like larry being larry he took that to a 10 and just spent all the time that he was not in a scene drinking and just smoking a ton of pot so (laughs) apparently he was he was 
awful. And Hayden, Hayden Rourke was the only person that could really stand up to him, especially on the cast. And it was because Hayden Rourke was friends with Larry Hagman's mom, Mary Martin, Peter Pan. I did not know that. I don't know how I never knew that. But he listened to him. And Hayden apparently would actually, like, tear into Larry Hagman, especially, like, if he was not learning his lines. He would read read him the right act. And you know what? We love that about Hayden. At this time, while Hayden Rourke is doing A Dream of Genie, Just Addis, he directed two episodes of Lost in Space. He did an episode of Wild Wild West. And his main, his big jam was Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, which he did 16 episodes from 66 to 68. And then he stopped directing. That is his last directing credit. And I, you know, he's alive for 11 more years. And I, I would love to know, like, what he what he did. Was it like Hayden's like, hey, you know, I'm making a lot of big network TV money on a relatively big show. You don't have to work, babe. Hang, hang out with our dogs. Maybe it was just Addis going around to the Bassett competition circuit, having a best in show moment. I don't know. But in May 70s, when I Dream of Genie ends. Hayden Rourke still worked steadily throughout the 70s. Um, in January 71, he did an episode of Here's Lucy where he played a judge that I've watched that was good. You can watch it on Hulu. In March 71, he was in The Barefoot Executive, a Disney movie. I believe it's about a um, executive that is a chimpanzee. <laughs> and that stars Kurt Russell, John Ritter, Joe Flynn, and Wally Cox. Joe Flynn, another rumored, maybe gay, secret gay that I've tried to crack that code and I cannot find out if that's actually true or not. Um, that seems to be a lot of hearsay and I, I need facts. I need the facts. In 1975, Hayden Rourke did a, a TV movie, The Legend of Lizzie Borden with Elizabeth Montgomery. You know, we love to see the cast of Bewitched and I Dream of Genie, the feuding shows coming together and sharing the screen to tell the tale of Lizzie Borden. <laughs> uh, he also, in the mid-70s, did an episode of Barnaby Jones and a couple episodes of Policewoman. In uh, June 1972, there's a New York Times article about the 30-year reunion of This is the Army, and it notes that both Hayden Rourke and Justice Addis attended, along with 105 other actors, all <laughs> at, like, a diner in Manhattan. That's great. I also found, and this is just one of the weird things you find when you're clicking around on the internet, uh, hopefully not getting like viruses or malware or whatever. I found a photo of Hayden Rourke, like just hanging out with Charles Pierce, who was one of the most prominent and popular female impersonators of the 20th century, like pre RuPaul. It's like Charles Pierce in the seventies. And there's Hayden Rourke just like hanging out with him in and out of drag. And it's, Ugh, that couple with just all the photos of him with Barbara Eden just being so happy and smiling so big and seeming so like gregarious and warm that make him seem like the kind of 20th century gay that you want to look up to, aspire to. It just seemed great. And I love him. In July 74, he was in a play called The Sound of Murder in Michigan. A lot of the like mid to late 70s is a lot of Hayden Rourke just traveling across the country. And you can find all sorts of photos and clippings of him in Texas and St. Louis and uh, Louisiana just doing local productions of a couple of plays, which is, I don't know, delightful. Um, in December 76, he was in a Wonder Woman episode called The Plutophile with... Brady Bunch gay Robert Reed. So the two of them were together. 
Robert Reed's another one of the... His story is also sad. It's like in, con, in con, contrasting it with Hayden Rourke, like Robert Reed was kind of the Larry Hagman of the Brady Bunch. Like he hated the scripts. He would get into arguments. He isn't in a couple episodes of, I think, the final season because he was like, I don't like this show. And I also don't think that he was unashamedly gay to his co-stars. I don't think he talked about it or they knew. And that's why I love the idea of... Hayden Rourke and Just Addis hosting the I Dream of Genie cast at their, you know, lovely Studio City, probably very mid-century, amazing, <laughs> the whole scenario pictured in my head. But I also love about that is that it, when you think, when I think of 20th century actors, I also kind of by default, maybe as a defense mechanism, apply whatever the worst characteristics of that era were to them just to be like, you know, Hey, like I love X actor, but you know what? A lot of people are racist at the time. A lot of people are homophobic at the time. Like, you know, you gotta, you know, keep that in mind. Um, when you're professing, you know, your undying fandom to people. And what I love about knowing that about the I dream of genie cast is that at least Barbara Eden. And I guess, you know, maybe Bill Daly, maybe, maybe Larry Hagman, actually, who knows if he was invited, <laughs> But it's like they, like, were cool enough with it to go to parties at Hayden and his husband's house. And, of course, that is not, like, I mean, that's, like, bare minimum. Um, that's not making them, like, you know, yes, queer allies. But it is just, it paints this portrait of the 60s that we don't ever really get to see that often of husbands hosting a party for co-workers i don't know i just think it's cool <laughs> that's what this entire podcast is is i just think it's cool after that wonder woman episode he was in a tv movie called suddenly love in 1978 um also around this time he did a play called pleasure of his company with june lockhart in texas i found a photo of the two of them on a couch and it is glorious i love hayden's suit it's very good but the late 70s are a bad time because just Addis passed away uh, on October 26, 1979, of lung cancer. And, you know, that ended their relationship, which, as far as I know, lasted at least 40 years. Hayden Rourke and his husband were together for 40 years. 1939. <sighs> 1939. Doing This is the Army Working in television together, you know, him directing, him acting, touring the country doing plays, showing off basset hounds, maybe, <laughs> hosting parties, and then lung cancer. And then Justice Addis passed. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So Hayden's output dies down significantly after this. And I don't I didn't really know when just died. Um, when I was looking at his, when I was looking at Hayden's IMDb initially, and I was like, oh, he only has two credits in the 80s on IMDb. That's, that's crazy considering how hard he worked from the 50s to the 70s. And when you see that Justice Addis died in 79, um, yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense. It seems like, you know, the writer and me will say, this might be where Hayden Rourke was like, you know what? I can just chill. Um, he still did tour and he still did, he performed a lot more in plays in the 80s. Uh, he starred with Joan Caulfield at the old showboat diner, the old showboat dinner theater in St. Petersburg, Florida in The Pleasure of His Company. And he did Mr. Roberts in St. Louis. And I think he also did Mr. Roberts in Texas. He would kind of like tour with the same plays. But he only has two TV credits in the 80s. Um, in September 83, he did a show called Lottery, uh, the episode at Denver following through. Uh, it's the third episode. Also starred Corey Feldman and Lottery lasted one season, but it was about, it was fiction and it was, it focused on these two, I think, reporters that would go around and like get involved in capers and hijinks around lottery winners. <laughs> so yeah, that only lasted one season. And then 85 is his final appearance and it was the I Dream of Genie reunion. I Dream of Genie dot 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 15 years later. And Larry Hagman was not in it. The part of Major Nelson was played by Wayne Rogers, who y'all know as Captain Trapper John McIntyre from MASH. So they brought him in to play uh, Major Nelson. And, you know, according to Hagman, it's because he was doing Dallas and he was like busy. And then he also did not do they also did another special like five years after that. And he was like. I just finished Dallas and I want, it's like, no, dude, you just didn't like it. You did not like it. You love doing Dallas. You hated Genie. You did not want to do this. And that was Hayden Rourke's last appearance. Um, because as I said earlier, that was 85 and then he passed away, uh, August 19th, 1987. And that is it. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 wish I had more anecdotes and I wish I had more than just like reading off an IMDb. I think I did more than that. Uh, but it's, you know, the truth is, is a lot of, a lot of these uh, gay men could not talk about their lives and 
therefore a lot of the history a lot of the story you have to read between the lines and infer and you know it sucks but you know it's something and finding out about there this is the army phase and especially hayden volunteering to go into the army to be with his husband is just great and i hope that i don't sheds i hope you'll think about that when you watch Hydra Genie, you're never going to look at Dr. Bellows the same way again. You're going to love Dr. Bellows now. You're going to be rooting for him, and you're going to be angry at Major Nelson, who is a high and drunk at the same time asshole terror on the set. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, that is the conclusion of Must Have Pride Month 2020, a rough month. Uh, a horrible month that I hope I was able to provide some type of entertainment and education and es- well, not escape. We don't need to escape. If we we can't escape from what we're going through right now, we have to actually deal with it because otherwise, uh, same thing we've always been doing is denying things. But I hope that you learned a lot more about uh, you know John Ehrman, Robert Moore, Arthur Lubin, Dick Clare, and Hayden Rourke. And I hope you'll tell these stories to other people. I hope you'll do research on your own about them. I hope you'll watch their shows and think about the impact that uh, queer people have always had on television. Going all the way back to, you know, the silent film era with Ar- in Arthur Lubin's case. And, you know, every time you watch I Dream of Genie or Mama's Family or Mr. Ed, <laughs> or the Carol Burnett show especially, uh, Facts of Life. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore, some episode, like a lot, you're going to see our faces. And now you know our stories, hopefully. So please follow uh, the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Must Have Seen TV. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Brett White. I will talk about any of this stuff at length, in depth, at all times, at any time. Please rate and review the podcast in iTunes. That really helps. I have a couple of one star reviews that I do not like. Thankfully, they did not write reviews out. They're, they're like 45 star reviews, but I am really fixated on those couple of one star. And I want you, listener, to drown them out uh, because they're wrong. Unless they listen to podcasts for audio production and like music and really great editing, in which case, you know, fair, valid. I'm not doing any of that right now because I am losing my cool. And speaking of losing my cool... I, the podcast is not going away. The podcast is coming back. I don't know. I might take a week off. I'm not sure. I am trying to get my act together. Uh, this is, as I said earlier, this is a one man operation and I am doing all of it. And it might not sound like I'm doing a lot because I'm not editing anymore, but it's still taxing in a good way. But also everything right now is taxing, but we're figuring things out. Um, you know, at me on Twitter and let me know that you're listening and that you want more and I will come back. Uh, again, there are going to be episodes in July. I'm just figuring it out. Maybe I'll take a week. We'll see. You like how loosey-goosey this is? I sure don't because I like rules and rigidity. But anyway, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, and I will see you all on the internet and uh, have, a, have, a, have a great rest of the gay month. And donate. Donate, donate, donate to Black Lives Matter's causes. Yeah. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 